Okay, good evening everybody. So last night we discussed, um, again we're talking about the Yom Kippur War and the difference between the Sixth Day War and the Yom Kippur War. And Rabbi Friedlander was giving this speech to the yeshiva of Panovich Yeshiva in real time during the war. And as we discussed last night, one of the things, important things he noted is not to um, you know, buy into the fact that what you read in the news and what you think are the facts are going to happen. And there's a danger in believing that if I read the newspaper, the Egyptian front is doing this, or the Syrian front is doing this, or the Russians are giving these weapons, that you could actually believe that the, 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 the Yom Kippur War, quite frankly, from the Jewish perspective, it, would be, it could be a war in, uh, in Asia or Africa or South America or North America. It would be the same thing. Even if it didn't apply to one uh, Jew, Hashem would be determining the war, and to read in the newspapers and to presuppose and assume anything, uh, again, Hashem has has uh, has uh, people. You know, if, let's put it this way: if Hashem gives a person an IQ, a high IQ, well, you may that person may be a uh, a vehicle, a, a clear vessel to do great accomplishments or terrible accomplishments. That that person was given an IQ uh, as a tool. He didn't choose that IQ. Uh, same thing with height. Uh, charisma, uh, being uh, the ability to write or to speak, all of these things. Hashem puts certain people in certain times, certain places. Actually, just was reading about someone called the Yanuka. Uh, it was past week's Mishpacha, and this person was a child prodigy, and lives in Israel, and he has thousands of followers, many thousands of followers. All he does is teach Torah. That's all he doesn't have. The, the, no. no uh, Nothing more. Followers meaning they go to learn Torah, Gemara, by this individual. And he knows Kol HaTorah Kula, apparently. He knows, you know, he's 32, 33, knows Kol HaTorah Kula. Uh, he did not grow up, he grew up in a religious family, but not necessarily a, a rabbinic family. Uh, he was the only child. The parents took many, had, for many years, they were not able to have a child. And this person, actually in his youth, his parents had lots of problems uh, and he traveled Europe, around the world, and he never spoke the language of his countries. All he would do is go to the, the synagogues and learn all day, this kid. And today, he is this amazing, one-of-a-kind young Torah scholar. Um, so how does so this person, obviously, uh, Hashem, in a certain way, he was, you know, like, like all of us, we're all put in certain times, certain place uh, to do things. Now, could Hashem rule change our deck of cards at any moment? Of course it could. At any moment, uh, uh, you know, things could change. And therefore, when we're reading the news, and I see, he was talking about the 73 war, the Yom Kippur war, but it's just as applicable, just as germane uh, today. I would say it's even more germane today because we are, our news is, in those days it had the radio, but it was delayed, you know. What happened in the, both the 68 war and the 73 war, the Yom Kippur war, is amazingly, the Egyptians and the Syrians were able to feed their populations complete fake news. Now, we talk about fake news, uh, you know, to say, if you would have heard Egyptian radio, on the second day of the Six-Day War, Egypt was bombing Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Their fake news even helped encourage Jordan to enter into the Six-Day War. That can never happen today. In our day, first of all, uh, everything is immediate. It's on social media. Um... There's all kind. Everyone, every phone has a camera. <laughs> every person's texting or messaging. I mean, 
the, the news today and the cycle, you can sit on Google News all day and all night uh, and, you know, hear people's opinions and analysis. Of it. I mean, there's just, uh, and, and within minutes, within minutes it's out there. And, and you, a person, whether it's COVID, whether it's uh, the, the, both the protests, the peaceful protests, the, the, and the race uh, issues, and the awful thugs and riots, uh, led by criminals, and all those are true, uh, today, and you could, you know, uh, have everyone's opinion, and, like, they know what the future is going to bring, and they know the political impact, so we live in a world today where we could buy into, uh, this is, like, the, the, the reality. First of all, we mentioned it's heretical, uh, and we discussed it at length the past two, two Lashirim, that to think, that you take Hashem out of the picture, it's all political figures and people and things which God's like totally out. Like, and you and I, by the way, we're just pawns then. We're, we're not, there's nothing we can do. We live in a generation where just, we're hopeless and just the, 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 the winds of fate have put uh, us in this situation. So it takes away divine providence for the nation and for individuals. But if only this person be the president, but if only this police officer, but if only... Uh, there would be a Martin Luther King today, but if only uh, there'd be, you know, everyone has their. No, the, right now, there's Hashem, and for whatever the, the world has to be, same thing with the meat markets and COVID and and, and science and, and everything else, or the economy going back, um, etc., etc. It, it, it's heretical to t- to think that everything you really know is that you can know everything that's gone. And as I mentioned when I started this last week, nobody thought about riots or. That the fact that the army tonight, they have the army in Maryland ready to go into Washington D.C. I mean, talking about like real military to to go into. I mean, that's like who would have thought that we'd have a curfew here? I mean, again, the curfew in San Jose, we're very fortunate, really, is very little uh, relatively going on. But there's a curfew here. I mean, all of this, um, you know, is something that's unpredictable. So it's a level of fear, and also it takes away our ability. To pray, because if I can't and you can't change anything, so why pray, right? We, you know, it means, and if you do pray, it's half-hearted, we're, we're, we, you know, as opposed to as a discuss, I'm not going to repeat everything, um, that, uh, that a person, they know that their prayer, their good deeds, tips the scale, changes the reality, and that's certainly the history of the Jewish people. I mentioned the whole story about the Briskorov, and, you know, he, he was in Europe when the war, World War II started, and he was... In Israel, when one of the greatest upsets of World War II by Al Alamin, when the Brits beat both Montgomery, Rommel in Egypt before they conquered Israel, would have conquered Israel, or at that time Palestine, Jewish Palestine, uh, you know, um, all of the all of the prayers and how he said it made a difference. Right? If we think everything is set, because the Egyptian army or the Syrian army in this war or the political figures or the COVID realities in our day and time, then not only does it border on heresy, take God out of the picture completely, uh, it, but it also uh, it, it's, it disempowers any ability of us to change our fate and our reality. That's as individuals, and as I mentioned, um, you know, actually, let me pick up where I left off. That Yanuka, I mentioned, here was a young boy, uh, you know, almost, and, and they're describing, by the way, this boy, his grandmother had cried for years and said to all tell him every day that her daughter should have a son, 
her, her son should have a son. So the, the boy's mother, and they, how the name was picked, and the whole story. It's like the boy's a Yemenite uh, yeah, from the Yemenite background, which is you know. And there's a million things that go into suit. Say, wow, you know, look at this divine providence. This person was really picked, and to an extent, there are uh, certain people that have the potential more on a, on a platter. That means there's more potential that's there. It doesn't mean no. This kid could have made poor decisions and ended up not a Moshe Rabbeinu of a Korach or a Yeravam. Right? The, the Bible, the Torah, always has big people. Some do great things and some do awful things. They use their potential lara for, for for bad. You know, you can be brilliant. There's so much. Unfortunately, today, so many brilliant Jewish minds, um, brilliant Jewish minds, uh, but they're due to most of them having no background and no no true education, they use those minds sometimes for some terrible things. Um, you know, or sometimes just, you know, non, it doesn't, you know, for accomplishments in secular fields, which have really, really, uh, which is fine, but, it, but it's, it's, it, but it's, it's, it's temporal and not eternal. Uh, and so you can have all the potential in the world, but you're also people who are like that. I remember Rav Shach, who was the greatest guggle in Israel about 20, 30 years ago. So I remember by his hesped in the, when I was learning the Lakewood issue at the time, BMG. And I think it was Shmuel Burma, Shiva Mir Brooklyn, eulogized him when he passed away. It was 2001 when I was there. I think he had, Rav Shach was like 106 years old at the time. And in uh, 2001, I think they had about 700,000 people, 700,000 people uh, at his funeral. It was a Friday. There would have been more, and it was done within a few hours. And they had to end the funeral early because of Shabbos. It was in, in, in the winter. So there were 700,000 people plus uh, on very short notice. So they had a few hours of him passing away. And it was a Friday. So like the next week, they had Hespain, the eulogies, I'm pretty sure it was him. If now it's He said the following thing. He said, you know, Shach learned in Lithuania by the great Rav Aaron Cutler, the founder of the great Shiva. And Rav Aaron Cutler, as a kid, now he was a child prodigy, but he had, you know, he lost his father, he had church but, but he was a child prodigy. At the age of 13, they were predicting him to be the next Gadol Hador. And that's what he was. He ended up being this great gadol. He had tremendous potential. Uh, he actually, when his father passed away, his older sister, who had uh, become secular uh, in the nineteen early early nineteen hundred, or not not the early uh, the, the turn of the century, so she pushed him to get a PhD in math, and she was his older sister, and she really pushed him so much so that the Rosh Hashiva of Slobodka banned all letters to him. She didn't let the letters be delivered uh, from his sister to Rabban Kala because he was worried that she would convince him to leave Yeshiva. But Rabban Kala was just genius and he had his tests and challenges but he ended up following uh, uh, predictions that people said he could be great. He said of Shach as a kid, nobody, 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 nobody looked at him as anything but average. Average. No one thought he would be this anything great, tremendous Torah scholar. He was viewed as an average kid, and he said that Rav Shach was a person through prayer and persever- persevering who became this great gadol. 
uh, if you and I believe that we're just like, I'm born to this kind of family, or I can't do this, or this is just, I'm the wrong place at the wrong time, we settle. Uh, and we, we, we don't push ourselves because it t- kind of steals our free, our, our free will to do, to do anything. Um, you know, whether it be anti-Semitism today, uh, Jewish assimilation today, if we feel helpless, uh, you know, then we won't do anything. Or if we do, it'll be half-hearted as a, as a, with the belief that you can change uh, the world. And, and, th- and therefore he said that you have to, the second reason. The third reason, as he pointed out, not just the fear, the main purpose of mitzvahs, of Torah, is to get a person to constantly see God in this world, and you'll be missing the main purpose of Torah. That's what we discussed the past two nights. Then he says the following thing, referring again to the Yom Kippur War. That the Yom Kippur War, and again, we discussed at length why the Yom Kippur War had to happen. What went wrong? Uh, the Jewish people, this great six-day war, this from literally from predictions of, of total genocide to outstanding military success and the failure really to transform Israel and to see God in it, but rather to put our belief in an army or in tanks and how the Yom Kippur War flipped all that because we had to be bailed out by Kissinger and by Nixon and the first two days of the war we almost got destroyed. Um, they said, the following the thing, the Yom Kippur War started on Kippur which is a day of rachamim b'din, of mercy and din. The fact that the war started on Yom Kippur, uh, did this with this tremendous mercy and kindness. With us and for our own good. This day of Yom Kippur, of all days, you know, if the war were to start on Tisha B'Av, these they really would have been smart, the Egyptians. They would have done the war on Tisha B'av, uh, and the Syrians. But they did it in Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day. If you had to pick the most merciful day of the year, it's Yom Kippur. Hey, here we're about to get the, the ultimate lesson on Yom Kippur, which is the ultimate day of mercy, more than any other day of the year. Even though, for reasons we discussed at length, uh, you know, the, the, based on our own, you know, limited understanding of reasons why, the, the, on a spiritual level, Yom Kippur War was necessary, it was still uh, tempered by a day of tremendous rachamim, tremendous mer- uh, of transparency. And, and it was not not for not this word, not on a regular day. But it was a day where it's in a rachamim. When a regular day, maybe you would have this mercy. But we have Yom Kippur, and that was a big blessing because if it was on another day, our situation could have been much more dangerous and challenging. Uh, uh, certainly it threw off the Yom Kippur I remember when I was uh, living in Philadelphia for a few years uh, the Mashkiach of the time of was the Mashkiach of the Philadelphia Shiva, which is arguably the best Yeshiva high school and base marriage for younger Bachram in America so he told me he was in B'nai Brak by the Yom Kippur War 
and he remembers that Rabbi Vosner, one of the senior sages, him going out on Yom Kippur with his talus and telling the soldiers, "Go, go, go, go! Don't worry about the fast. Go break your fast. Go to the you know, go or, or you know, or depending on the situation, go to the front, take off. You know, just get into the cars, get into the jeep. Go. I mean, this this great sage making sure that everyone knew, get into the cars. You need to get to the front. You know, you know. Actually, again, I spoke two years ago on Yom Kippur." Um, um, about the Yom Kippur War, uh, but you know, no, go out for sure. It's stir the people's Yom Kippur. You know, uh, you know, there are much lesser things that can bother somebody on Yom Kippur. Going out to a war front is not exactly Ne'ilah or Kol Nidre or Musaf uh, on Yom Kippur. So you know, at some level, you say, "Oh, well, look what it did to Yom Kippur." They threw them off. They weren't, you know. But Aval he habal lechadar habil amuka. First, but at the other level, it, what it did is it caused, first of all, those who are staying behind to have a Yom Kippur like no other. And even those going on advance, anything they would have done, praying to God, God, this, you know, on Yom Kippur had a tremendous um, uh, uh, effect. And he said, as he points out a fact that we all know that Yom Kippur in Israel, even the Hamoinim, the masses of people who don't typically come to a, a Beis HaKnesses during the year, um, it made them as well look to get close to Hashem Yom Kippur. Now, there are many Jews who you know have that spark deep, deeply buried uh, due to many years of lack of education and not connecting to Hashem, uh, mostly due to decisions of people. Many Generations before them, uh, and but they come Yom Kippur, especially in Israel, and they may go there and and be typically just go to the shul, not fully grasping, just to know a Jewish go to the shul on Yom Kippur. But that year, many of them felt closer to Hashem than ever before. They, you know, uh, than ever before. And he says the following: that he's this is this lecture was given a few days after Sukkot, and he says. And the, the war went over Sukkot. Actually, we know that the war, the contours of the war would change on Sukkot. It went from a losing war to miraculously, as Sukkot went on, the whole situation changed uh, on the ground for, 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 the, for the Jewish people in Israel. Sukkot are days of Simcha Shomitzvah. The whole essence of Sukkot are Days of Simcha Shomet, so the Kira Hashem and closest Hashem. Ubaham Ani Nodon. We know that the Talmud says, and in general, every single year of every generation, we are judged on Sukkot. Kamavur Gemara, The Talmud says uh, also in Rosh Hashanah, Barbal Prakim. And there are four times in the year, Ha'olanid, uh, the world is judged. Pesach Halatvua, Pesach on the produce, on Atzeres, on Shavuos, on the fruits. That's what would be the first fruits. Abar Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, call Baye Ha'olam Oivim in front of a Kemara. We know on Rosh Hashanah we go in front of Hashem like one at a time, uh, like like sheep. And, and I've discussed that over the years on Rosh Hashanah. Uvechag and on Sukkot we're judged on water on 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 life. The Talmud Why interestingly says our Friedlander. Why does Hashem judge us specifically on the holidays? Right, the four times a year that we are judged are on the holidays, on the Yom Tov. Why are those times, are they days of judgment? Really, Sukkot is a day of joy. Sh- Shavuos, we were judged, we were judged on Shavuos just this past 
weaken on, on certain elements on, on our Torah, by the way, it's what the Shlom brings up, but, but the Talmud says specifically on certain other things. Um, he says, he says this, it's actually the Hashem, it's the kindnesses of God. On those days, on, on the holidays, we are, we are, we're taken away from all of our typical things that consume us. I remember very vividly when I was a kid, this must be close to, thir- at least, I think at least 30 years ago, um, I was a teenager, and I, it was, it was Sukkis, and I was sitting in Shul, and not far from me, it was like one of these guys who, at the time, he actually since then became more observant, uh, at the time, he was, you know, not so into things, and uh, yeah, we would talk and show very often. Uh, you know, I don't think he went to weekday minion. That that type of person comes and show on, on Saturday, comes up late, shmooze with his friends, makes a few lachaims. Not a, a particularly inspired guy, and he, he was reading Kohelis, uh, with you know, he was reading the art school Kohelis. Uh, and I see him say that, and then I realized as a young person, I don't, and, and, and it stayed with me many years later, I, even then I thought, this is a guy who was so, we wouldn't call him spiritual, but I was like, wow, this is like really deep stuff and transformative. And this guy was into business, and I thought to myself then, that this guy, if he would read Kohalas any day of the year, he would not be open to it. He wouldn't be, he would not, first of all, he wouldn't read it, he wouldn't sit down, he wouldn't think about it today. I, today he would have been on an uh, with, on a on an iPhone all day long with his checking his uh, texts and emails and WhatsApp whatever every millisecond and you know probably the headpiece and talking all day in business. He wouldn't have the bandwidth to think about it. He wouldn't think about it for one second. I don't think I said like, this guy I can't believe me. Like, you're like the guy you don't expect. Wow, this is like deep stuff. Kohelis. Uh, you know, King Solomon, you know, you know, the accessories, however they say it, uh, you know, really deep, deep stuff, like, you know, and he was moved by it. Well, that really is for all of us. Yom Tov allows us to, all of us, not just an individual who typically is caught up. I know myself, I'm sure yourself are saying, Shabbos and Yom Tov, you're, you're caught up, but Yom Tov in particular, you know, that's why Ashkenazim have all these Megillas we read, and, and we do, do some, we do extra tefillas. It's a time where we're able to be separated from all the material things which typically distract us from this world, right? The average person today, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, I talk about God, even if they believe, they don't do anything because they're just so distracted by life. It's not that they're bad people per se. They're just just totally consumed uh, by life, there was an Israeli singer two weeks ago who was defending the Haredim in Israel. Very famous guy. His name is Aviv Geffen. I, 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 I never heard him, Baruch Hashem, sing. But I got sent this clip by a few people, this Aviv Geffen, who's actually a leftist, very, very popular Israeli singer for, for about 20 years. So he was saying, leave the Haredim alone. Like, leave them. What are you, why are you attacking them? It was amazing to me. He said, you know, I, my God is Google, and their God is a tarot. <laughs> like, so he says it, this, this is Aviv Geffen. You know, actually, since then, since he actually said this, you know, he had like a lot of people contact him, which actually was a, a, a for him because he, he publicly, you know, you have this 
super leftist Chiloni rock star uh, being very vocal. Uh, you know, he was bothered by all of the uh, irrational anti-Haredi uh, press in Israel. So he said he actually was contacting so much people. He first closer now. His son in this summer is turning bar mitzvah. He's going to go and he's going to have a given aliyah because he thinks it's important, even though he's an atheist. This guy's a self, you know, but he's funny. I, th- I thought to myself, he's, his God is Google. And, and, and he may have said it that way. And someone else said, no, I believe in God. But the average person, their head is much more on the internet or in sports or about their job or getting their ice cream than Hashem. It, it just, that's the average person in the world. Um, and even by Torah Jews who are fortunate that Torah mitzvahs make us more attuned with emes, with truth, and what this world is really about. But still, all of us, we have jobs and we have, we do have emails and we have uh, all kinds of bills to pay and things to do. And it's, we can easily lose focus. In Yom Tov, we're asukim and mitzvahs. We're, we're doing mitzvahs, shaking a lulav, we're sitting in a sukkah, we're surrounded by sukkah, we're eating matzah. We're staying up all night, night, and learning Torah on Shavuos. And since we're so close, we're doing, we're not consumed at work. We're not in a cubicle or in our office or, or on the phone talking to people. On Yom Tov, we're talking to God or singing Zemiras or we're thinking, we're doing actual Chavzah Shal Mitzvah. They're twofold. Number one, that we think more about Hashem or more cognizant of Hashem. It's more transformative periods. Um, and number two, it's Rizuchuyus Misravas. We have much more merits. We're much more involved. Varachamim Goivrim. And there's a lot of Rachamim. And those are the times where God judges us. God judges us when we're at our best. When we're, we're, when we're in the best part of Hashem's mercy. When does He judge the Jewish people? When does He judge us? When we are in our prime. When we're literally at our best moments, we're most focused in Torah and Mitzvah, that's the time of your God judges. That's an act of mercy. There should be more reason, we should have more going for us, in order to be meritorious in judgment. That's why this war, which was a wake-up call, we put in... Um, uh, uh, in, 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 during these days, and in Sukkot, where the mind is matuach alein v'meachag, that we have shaman, uh, excuse me, where we're literally covered by the Sukkot, and the, uh, uh, and, and the Shems, where the Sukkot, of course, representative of Hashem's uh, surrounding us, and the Dalad Minim on the four species of the Lulav and the Esrog, uh, and the Sibach Sechag, Yaginu Aleinu, all of these things were there for our protection, and again, you know, anyone, I encourage anyone who's interested to look at the, uh, at the, at the, 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 the war itself. The war, we went into Sukkot still on the down, albeit that we got some bearings, but over Sukkot, literally the eight days of Sukkot, the whole entire war shifted from, we were on the defense, by the end of the war, we started to be on the offense, and shortly after, the, 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 they surrounded the third army, they broke through the Syrian lines, and we're marching towards uh, D- Damascus, and the entire war changed over those those days of Sukkot. Says it, there's a Lazakis, the Yeshua's no All this was that we should merit more uh, spiritual spiritual sal- salvation. Now, could you imagine if you'd be a, a person reading a newspaper 
right? A person in the newspaper, the the New York Times, New York Times, the, the Wall Street Journal, you know, whatever it would have been in 1973 on Yud Beis Tishrei, two days after Yom Kippur. Wow, bad news for the Jews, Israel, it's a tragedy. You're sitting there, people eating and talking. Doesn't look too good. What's going to happen? You know, and you're just looking at this war from afar, and wow, this is tragic, wow, no hope, this and that. Um, what would you do? I mean, when you, when you believe like things are stuck, you, it, it literally becomes paralyzing. Uh, you know, it, 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 and besides not seeing Hashem, it becomes, you know, and anyone you know, who studies Jewish history uh, you know, you know, knows that in many of the, again, we're not Hashem, we don't know everything well, but we just can see the salvation of Hashem, the worst periods of time, like, things flip in a moment. Um, and it's, you know, with all of the chashbayness of the, the Egyptians, you know, it's like the Purim story, Haman picks other because of Moshe Rabbeinu's death. But he didn't also Moshe Rabbeinu's birth and what other represents. Like, the Egyptians picked Yom Kippur for one day, and really, it ended up on a spiritual level being, you know, what they thought was a day of Jewish weakness. It was the greatest day of Jewish spiritual uh, strength. This is the following thing. Haraya Chushis. He says, you should know, by the way, that emotional proof is even more important, this is actually a deep concept, than something cerebral, would you know, but it's in the cerebral, it's in the world of intellect. He's talking about, seven, this, is, this speech was given 17 days after Yom Kippur, towards the end of the act of war. As I mentioned before, these, these discussions, uh, the, the, they would still be on the war front for many, many more weeks, although the act of war it stopped a few days later. So in Eli we should imagine we're still in Yom Kippur Islam, the yeshiva. Right? Imagine right now, Bakrim, we're still in Yom Kippur, and it's no longer Ni'ilah. You know, uh, I, I very, I, I, I have, I very, I don't like to repeat ideas, I mean, I repeat ideas, but like, same content in Joshua, like, the other 13 years, I, I had very little, uh, I did repeat here and there, but very, very, very rarely. The only time I really uh, repeat something is Ni'ila, although I do change what I say a little bit. Uh, but I always say the same thing every year in Ni'ila, part of it. So I can make it, half of my Ni'ila speech is there, and the other half I will switch. And the night, the fr- night of Rosh Hashanah, uh, the first night of Rosh Hashanah, about taking advantage of Rosh Hashanah. Um, why do I do that? Because I look at Ni'ila as this moment of, you know, my goal on Ni'ila is not cerebral at all. <laughs> I, you know, when I say that this is the most important hour, 15 minutes of the year, and I always read the Chavetz Chaim, always read his words, if Imlo Akshan, Imasai, if not, now when, I look at it as a pep talk of pep talks. This is a time you just got to push yourself. This is a time, and that's not, you, you know, when you, typically, you want to, when, when a rabbi wants to speak, you want to change the way people think. Uh, it, you know, it's not about the emotion of the moment. It's, you know, it's about let's change and transform our life for today and tomorrow and, and work on ourselves and, and have new ideas, you know, in a, in, in a deeper vision of, of ourselves and the world. But by Ni'ilah, that's not the point. 
Nihilas, you know and I know Nihilas right now. We need to, to, to savor this moment. We need to chaparayim. We need to take advantage. If not now, when? If we don't push ourselves now by Nihila, where the entire Yom Kippur is going to be sealed, then we're going to miss the boat. It's, it's like the train is leaving. Right? The gates of, of heaven are closing, as we say in Nihila itself, in, that, in the last service of Yom Kippur. So he says, imagine right now we're still in Yom Kippur. And it's these moments that we know are going to give the spiritual potential for the year. Now, what we do the rest of the year, well, the permutations of everything is Yom Kippur. Of course, what, whether I pray today or tomorrow, give charity, it will affect things because the possibilities are all inside Yom Kippur, which means it could be Yom Kippur, we make 50,000, 500,000, 200,000, 110,000, 300,000, 45,000, right? I don't know that right now. It could be supposed to be super healthy, quashly. But whatever the pos, if I know Kippur says we're not going to make more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars, then no matter what a person does, they'll make it with the prayer and with the uh, the the you know going to school and going for the best job interview, have the best link to get. That won't make a difference. Whatever your Kippur decides, that's the possibilities. That's the possibilities. Who you'll meet, you know what you'll do. I mean, I mentioned where you'll end up. Um, all that society. This is the moment to do it. So he says, imagine right now we're still in that moment. It's no longer Ni'ilah. And Din Shemaim is Mamshech. Uh, and the Din Shemaim is Mamshech. And right now, every day, it's designed who will live and who will die. Who will live physically and who will die physically. That's what happens in war. There are always casualties of war. Um, and spiritually. Who who? And again, you know, when I look at our own time, um, certainly when the, the challenge of COVID has been uh, physical health and, uh, you know, besides the mental health, which is also, but spiritual people have done extraordinarily well and there have been people who have spiritually collapsed uh, and re- regressed. This situation, uh, he says, the truth is, when we're in a situation of, of war, when we're deciding the spiritual status of the Jewish people, and there is an active war going on, Jewish boys are on the front line. And as I mentioned yesterday, that one of the reasons they couldn't pull back the troops, even after the Patriot was signed, is because they refused to pull back until they got the hundreds, mamish hundreds of, I think thousands between the Syrian and the Egyptian border, of Israeli soldiers who were POWs. Now we know what happens with the Jewish POW. They, they, they had taken, in the beginning of the war, hundreds on the Egyptian border. They surrounded these lone soldiers uh, and just took them prisoner. I mean, people don't realize that because we got these soldiers back. Uh, it took weeks, mamish weeks, of, of action and diplomacy and th- threats uh, to get all these soldiers back. Well, their lives are being judged at that moment. Done on that moment. Uh, it's literally life and death. Uh, and and what the, the, the circumstances, how the war and we said to them, we're still in the status of judgment. And what you and I do, not just Kissinger and Nixon and Ben Abigail and Golda Meir and Moshe Dayan and Abba Ibn. Menachem Begin was a side player at that point. A few years later, he'd be the main player. Right? These are not the people they're going to have. They, they're 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 put in the places. But the, the the deck of cards will come from from Hashem. 
as is going on, is is it escalating? I mean, the whole thing is so surreal. Um, you know, the truth is, the, the, the purpose of Elul before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is that we should realize the, the, the period of judgment. And if you think now of, of what war means and who's in the dangers of this, and the dead, there's almost 3,000 people that get killed in the Yom Kippur War, and many more injured. And at the time that they're speaking, there were definitely many hundreds, if not in the thousands. At this time of Jewish POWs, um, it should be in all of our hearts, all of our souls, and so therefore we need to look at it as right now that the period of judgment uh, is going to be going on. I think I'm going to hold here because the next paragraph uh, is a little bit long, uh, but I think that's certainly in our own case when when we're in a situation when the world looks like it is and, and the news is a certain way. You know, it's a reminder for us ourselves um, that, and I, and I mentioned this morning by Tehillim, we have, I, and I believe that those who are saying Tehillim here have a big schos that, that our own community, Berach Hashem's mercy has been spared um, from the, 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 you know, from, from COVID and many of these, uh, you know, again, the peaceful protests are, are fine and, and, and certainly um, it has a good place. About the rioting and the thugs and the criminal behavior of groups which are actually have damaged the Jewish community both in Los Angeles and New York, uh, to a smaller extent, places like Chicago, Detroit, and Cleveland. Uh, you know, we're we're have been spared from that. Uh, uh, you know, what we should we're sitting here. We're not supposed to just go to sleep and not say, okay, life is good for me. I, I know we've all been affected. You know, been cooped up and. Have those who have children has been very challenging, and we've been nervous for our, there are loved ones because of the potential. But la- la- largely, we have been with tremendous mercy spared. I believe that that you know that only makes us more obligated to pick up our game uh, to do on our service of Hashem. You know, as the show opens now, um, you know, there's a certain normalcy, and we should be, and what should be, minion is the norm. Uh, and uh, that's the way it should be. And, and but, and I, and I wrote this in the article I wrote a few weeks ago. It, we should uh, be coming out of, and we're not we're far from done of COVID and and the the other parts of these um, unfortunate things surroundings, both the unfortunate death of an innocent man, uh, and as well as people's anxieties about being treated differently based on their color, which are legitimate. As well as the terrible, I mean, terrible response uh, and damaging response of some of the people fighting who were much worse. Who just last night in Oakland, four people, four people in Oakland were killed last night. Five police cops were shot around the country last night. These people and those who are supporting are murderers and damaging, and they quite frankly, in my opinion, they damage their own cause, the, the, the cause that they supposedly espouse. The, 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 the rabble rousers, the antifas, the criminals, etc. But all of this most likely will go on from cemetery to party, even if it simmers down, because there are people who have a vested interest politically to to causes. And you know, I don't think uh, there's a Martin Luther King today, unfortunately, who's going to to try to do it in the best way. Nor does the president help uh, very often as well. Um, I might have to give a political take. I, I'm, what I'm really here is to say, 
you know, the, the normalcy that we go back to, I, I, it's still Yom Kippur for all of us. Um, we are in this situation as well. COVID can come back, you know, and it can come back with a vengeance in theory, even though the predictions here and there, we don't know. Nobody really knows. Nobody knows. You know, if I listen to this guy, Dr. Fauci, every day is a different story. I can't, I, I don't have a clear story from him, um, I, which tells me, I'm not blaming him, he doesn't know. Uh, only Hashem knows. I, so I just, very briefly, I do believe we should uh, not lose our focus that we're still in Yom Kippur, but as we do go back, and the world is going back by, by necessity, and because it should, it should, to a level of return to the shul, um, we should be coming back to change people, and you know, remind ourselves that this should have been transformative for all of us. And any adjustments uh, we have made uh, should, you know, obviously going back to if you're a minion, it's different dominating by yourself. There are differences, but the, the the good that we have benefited from the abuna, the bitachon, that should be a permanent uh, transformation. We'll pick up tomorrow. And he's going to continue with this idea that of realizing. Because there's Hashem in this world, and because of Bitochan, and because our actions make a difference, how, what they should be thinking, if it's really still Yom Kippur while a war is going on, if it's really that for us today, when there are riots in Washington, D.C., across you from the White House, or COVID, which is really right now, Baruch Hashem, largely contained, uh, largely, I mean, New York has 40 cases yesterday out of 8 million people, that's crazy, when they had thousands and many thousands of cases a day coming out at one point. Uh, but there's no, and I mean, I'm not saying to scare anybody, I'm just saying, just to remind yourself, there's like no guarantee this doesn't come back harder. Um, and therefore, Mir Hashem, it won't come back, and we, we will have a vaccine very soon, and we'll have Yeshua's, but to remind ourselves that we, we still need to realize that there's a lot at stake, and that you and I have a lot, what, how we do, and our prayers don't solve Yourself or myself short, what we do will and does make a difference, and it may make the difference. Okay, we'll do. You were all unmuted. I'm